The world is a confusing place, filled with all manner of shimmering distractions that take our conscious mind and our immortal souls and subvert them into the most basal of human emotions. Can any one of us who considers ourselves a spiritual being truly look around the carnival at the barkers, performers, and the caged animals and believe, even momentarily, that any of this is as it should be? My name is Alan Bishop, the alchemist of the Black Forest of Indiana, distiller, historian, occasional tinker, reenactor, and your host of If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything. Have you ever noticed the world isn't quite what it presents itself to be? That something is just a little off kilter, just a little out of focus. Perhaps that movement you caught out of the corner of your eye was more than a shadow, that weight on your shoulder more than fatigue. I have lived my whole life like this, aware, awake, and waiting for the next experience, positive or negative, always apprehensive, always analyzing. I believe that spiritual warfare is real. I believe from societal observation that others are becoming acutely aware. I believe that many are being influenced by forces unknown in a negative and spiritually deprived way. I see soft disclosure in every corner of pop culture. Join us as we pull back the curtain, as the veil thins and reach with us into the ether to reclaim the truth. But if you have ghosts, you have everything. Hey guys, welcome back to If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything with myself and Kimberly here in the tiny bedroom studio as well as our dog, Adana who's uh, determined that she's getting in on this action somehow, or she's ready to eat or something. She wants me. Hard to say. I've but, been gone all day, so she thinks she needs to be right in the middle of me. Right. <laughs> We've got a special guest tonight. So we have JJ Rose 777. So uh, I, I'm going to call her JJ throughout this. So that way I'm not saying 777777 because I'll do it. It'll happen. Um <laughs> So JJ reached out to me after my uh, appearance on Uncomfortable Podcast, and uh, we had a, a great email exchange back and forth, and we checked out her YouTube channel, um, and I've been listening to a lot of things on your YouTube channel, and I know that there's, uh, you, what you're into sort of encompasses a lot. It's not just one, one piece of this sort of, uh, I hesitate to use the word paranormal, supernatural, spiritual puzzle. It's a lot of pieces. And so your YouTube channel really educates people on those individual pieces. So as we often do on the show, I like to let guests introduce themselves because it's easy to, to, to talk someone up and then make them feel weird and throw them off kilter versus you telling us what you actually do, who you are, and then your background, how, what brought you into all of this stuff. Perfect. Well, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you again so much for having me. Um, I am complicated on describing. There's not really one word that describes me. I wish there was, but not anymore. Um, so I am extremely psychic. I've been this way my entire life. 
um, in all modalities. I am an ordained non-denominational minister. I am also a white witch. <laughs> yes, those two can work together. Um, but in that, I really, really focus on energy clearing and entity removal or clearing, which is a fancy way to say exorcisms. Um, I also remote view. I can energy jump. Um, there's a lot that I can do. And a lot of that is because I was not raised in a situation where I had parents telling me, no, that's not real. They were actually furthering my growth because I come from a very open line all the way back on both sides. So as a result, you get me. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. So I, I guess uh, let's kind of, let's start from the beginning there. So you, you mentioned your parents. So, you know, uh, every, you know, that's a big part of, of what has formed you into who you are now. And you say that they were very open. So what was kind of their, their background and their path and what, what led you into, you know, them nurturing this growth in you? Well, I'll start with my mom. Cause that's maybe the easier side. <laughs> um, you know, my mom, my grandparents on or her parents, were extremely spiritual and open yes you know they they went to a regular church and things like that but they always knew there was more and at that time you know you gotta remember this is pre-internet this is when we had bookshops and people didn't talk openly about these things mm -hmm. because of ridicule so you know my my grandma when she was she was adopted so she didn't know her her real mother she had met her real father um but he stopped coming around when she was about six. So she was taking organ lessons and her organ teacher, first time she gets dropped off, the organ teacher, you know, she sits down thinking she's going to play the organ. And the lady said, no, I have something else in mind. And literally started working with her at age, I think it was like seven or eight on spirituality. Um, Obviously, you know, her and my grandpa had that kind of open discussion relationship. They were always into deeper things and researching that went down to my mom. You know, my mom, by the age of four or five, had an entire book of UFOs, a scrapbook. She always knew there was something more. Um, and that just led to them being very interested in it and meeting a lot of people within the community that were also interested in it as well. Now, on my dad's side, um, my dad was a minister, his mom was a minister, and then going back in time, um, a couple generations, uh, one of my great-grandmothers was a, what they call a powwow healer, uh, where she could lay hands. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. you know, obviously being in the 1800s, um, there were Native American clans that would actually come to her to get healings um so that was sort of kind of passed down if you will um directly but indirectly at the same time there's a lot we don't know but my grandma was a pure channel um she would literally just do automatic writing um she was a profound minister at the time especially in the 40s and 50s when females usually weren't seen in those roles mm -hmm. and you know, it, 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 there's a lot about my family that's hard to explain without people going like, huh? <laughs> right, right. There's some giant leaps that you have to take there. But what's really interesting is um, 
my mom and my dad were going to meet no matter what. There were actually three different people in their lives that intersected that knew both of them that were trying to hook them up. There was just this one person who I actually um, would call mama and she ended up introducing them. And so her and my grandma actually started going to my other grandma's <laughs> spiritual groups um, under her ministry and then ended up meeting my father that way. And they worked together as, you know, he was her spiritual teacher, my mom's. And then it developed into a little bit something more. And then, you know, some years later, I popped out. <laughs> <laughs> that, that happens. That happens. It does. And I'm short forming it, obviously, but they're... Um, it's just, it's one of those things when I look at my family history, it's so predestined that it was going to yes. happen no matter what. Yeah. And, and, and even for those who, who out there who don't believe in the predestination or predetermination thing, at the very least, you have the genetic memory for all of those things because mm -hmm. there's no such thing as junk DNA. I, I refuse to believe that junk DNA is a thing. Right. Um, but it sounds like you were absolutely primed for all this stuff. And it sounds like a lot of, uh, there's, you know, um, you mentioned, you know, that there was spirituality in one way, shape, form, the other on, on both sides and then going back into the 1800s. But, you know, that that puts people kind of in the in the dead heat of that whole spiritualism movement and all that stuff as well. So, you know, I don't know if there's anything there at play with your family, too, but I'm sure if they were if they were explorers, they were, you know, coming in contact with that to some degree without a doubt. So absolutely. And I actually am a direct descendant of three witches quote-unquote, that were hung at the Salem Witch Trials. Okay. Interesting, because I, I learned am, that. <laughs> I am a descendant of, of, of the, the uh, what was his name? His last name's Bishop, but it was the one one male witch that was uh, crushed under rocks in the oh Salem my. Witch Trials. So, yeah, I, I think don't know we you not talk about cousins. that. No, you didn't tell me that. Yes. But that's a that's a whole thing. He's. I think that was the only the only male that was killed during that whole thing. I can't remember. But I'd have to go back and look. So, but yes, yeah, same same family. Hmm. So same same. Who knows what he was doing? It's hard to right. say. <laughs> Might have been drunk and right. Just after a rooster or something. It's hard to say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> With us <laughs> and our I think people. It's deeper than that, but <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, Could he be. he actually was a trailblazer because he was one of the people as was my direct relative um that really spoke out about what was happening um your relative basically was like go ahead pile it on like you're mm -hmm. gonna do it anyway so just keep on going uh, my relative was a little bit older she thinks she was in her 50s at the time and she spoke out saying you know you're you're taking the word of a 12 year old girl mm -hmm. and and you're killing people and then they were like, well, she's a witch. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. but it's interesting because I had no clue. I didn't even know my family line went back in this country that long. So I was, you know, in my thirties watching the history channel and this thing came on about it and it said the last name and I put two and two together and looked it up and yeah. Yeah. We've, we've, we've had that happen a couple of times. Yeah. Right. <laughs> with our family. There's one in, one in Kentucky, a, a bishop gentleman, I think we've mentioned on the show before. I remember the, with the dogs that went hunting. Oh yeah. UFO yeah, sighting. And, we, that we saw on KET or like, yeah. wait a minute. Right. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
So uh, it's also interesting that you, uh, uh, you're a licensed minister. I am as, as well. So, um, I don't necessarily do a whole lot with it all, though I've done weddings and stuff like that in the past, but it's, you know, it's not, it's a, a handy little, uh, tool to have for sure. Um, it's, you know, just like you, I've, I've married a couple of dear friends uh, together and, and that's mm-hmm. always wonderful from my paranormal group that I'm in. It sets some people at ease just knowing, oh, she's a minister. Because yeah. sometimes when you go in with, you know, white witch or psychic, they're like, whoa. Right. Um, some people feel better with religion and that's absolutely fine. I'm, I'm completely proficient at whatever I regardless of my personal beliefs i can respect other people's beliefs 100 percent. yeah yeah i there was a, a moment we had like that this past sunday at our family reunion where um i always have to do the the speaking and the introductions and all that stuff but i don't do uh the blessing um and i said it out loud and i didn't really mean to say it out loud but i said that it would be inappropriate for me to do the blessing and of course these are all you know baptist slash southern baptist yeah. and uh uh, my cousin, whom I dearly love, uh, second cousin, third cousin, no, second cousin, he ended up doing the blessing. We walk, I walked outside to go smoke a cigarette after it was over, and he came outside and he goes, you know, you can do the blessing. I'm like, it didn't say that I couldn't do it. I said that it would be inappropriate <laughs> if I did it. So, you know, there's there's a there's a difference between the two. And he goes, oh, okay. And I was like, I, I know. <laughs> I know. I understand completely. So, um no, I I love that you you are in touch with all those gifts that you have, and that you have that genetic memory. You have that predetermination, predestination. Um, I'm curious at what point in your life you started to find these gifts, and what was like the the first moment where you're like, eh, "There's something going on here that's a, a little different than my friend group." So, oh wow, um, well, so funny story. <laughs> if you want to go back to the beginning. I was when uh, between you know being born and about six months old. I was taken to a woman who kind of babysat me, right? Uh, she ran a daycare, and because I was the only infant, she would put me in a room in a little bassinet or kind of like a car seat, actually, um, in this room and by myself to nap. And her Siamese cats stayed with me the entire time I was there. And they would sit on either side of me. And I had an out-of-body experience that I remembered um, where I lifted up, I looked around the room and I saw the cats and then went back into my body. So a little later, I was around five years old. Obviously, I hadn't seen her since I was six months. We run into her at the grocery store. And she's talking to my mom and she's looking at me. Oh my God, you know, look at you, you're so grown up and I was like I remember you she kind of you know gives me this look like okay maybe you remember my name and I said no you used to put me for naps in the room and it had the shutters and like I explained the entire room which was not a normal room and I said and your cats would sit next to me on both sides and I think she dropped whatever was in her hand so (laughs) (laughs) so you know when you ask like when did I know I've always known always Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I remember being around three years old and being outside playing. I would talk to animals. I remember I had a little ladybug on my shirt 
And I thought, oh, I'd love ladybugs to land on me and make wishes. And all of a sudden, they all descended. My shirt became red. Mm-hmm. And oh, wow. I made wishes. Yeah. And my mom was watching all this from the kitchen window, by the way. And then they <laughs> all lifted up in a cloud and took off. And it was almost like I could call things at will. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I still have that. I still work with animals. I can still... I can talk to everything. Everything has a vibration and an essence. Yeah. Was there, so was, I guess, um, since you've always been aware that you've had those sort of, those sort of abilities, was there ever a, a moment where you had that conscious realization like, Hey, this is not something that uh, very many other people that I'm around have. Because my parents were so open and I grew up in a time where we had to be hush hush about it. Mm-hmm. It was always talked about within the family, but it was like, you don't talk to other people about this. Don't tell other people that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I always make the joke. I didn't come really out of the proverbial broom closet until around like 2014. Right. Um, mm-hmm. People who knew me knew what I could do. You know, I, I was a teenager going to my friends, parents and grandparents houses doing clearings and, and blessings. Um, you know, so young that they would have to pick me up. I couldn't even drive. So within close knit circles, people knew, but I wasn't, you know, yelling it from the rafters or trying to call attention to myself because it wasn't safe. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, currently you can go online, you have TikTok, people can wear whatever they want. They can kind of be whoever they want and it's fine. I mean, I come from the day where if you dyed your hair a weird color, you couldn't get a job. Right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I identify with that pretty, pretty heavily. I mean, I was the, the, the goth kid in high school that got beat up a lot. So <laughs> there's that. Um, now it's, it's interesting to talk to somebody that's been conscious of that their entire yeah. life because like, I've always had things happen to me, but I feel like I'm still playing like, even when she was going through her story, I had a remembrance of something, but I feel like I'm always playing like pickup sticks, right? right. Like, Oh, dumbass! Maybe you should have been paying a little closer attention to right. what was happening. <laughs> like that, you know, some of these gifts were. I guess mine weren't so on as on the nose, but right. like an example. I don't. I'm pretty sure I've told you this before, but I remember. Like I'm a little obsessive compulsive anyway, so like little things like, uh, you know, step on a crack, crack, break your mother's back, like that. That stuff just paralyzed me as a kid. Like, and I had to really fight it in my head. And our daughter has a little bit of that too. Yeah. But I remember from like the time I was four and probably all the way up into right when I turned into a teenager, like I remember the first moment, ironically, at a babysitter's house where I was like laying in bed and I had a moment of like, oh, you'll die one day. Like, that's a thing. Right. It'll happen to you. Right. But it's not the end of things. But then I would also do this thing. And thank God I've never seen Penny do this. And I hope she never does. I would just be like. I don't ever remember doing it around anybody. It was always like an on my own thing because I'm an only child. But I would just have this moment where I would stop and I'd be looking at something. Like I remember like being in the trailer park and being in the trailer and I was up early one morning for mom and dad. And I just stopped and I like I looked at the blender on the counter and I spaced out. Who knows for how long it was. And it was just literally this moment of like none of these things are real. None of this is a, a thing mm-hmm. that actually like how am I actually here and interacting with this space? Right. But I didn't even think of that stuff until you just went through your story. Like I said, it's like, for me, it's like pickup sticks. It's right. You look at it later and you're like, Oh, okay. Well now that I'm coming up on 40, all that's starting to 
make a little bit more sense right. than it previously did. Right. So. And in that moment of like for me, it was and like you're saying, pick up sticks when you start putting your spirituality together and realizing that your words and your intentions have actual meaning. Like I think the first time I have knowledge of that is as a child, I was outside playing. I was always outside playing. My grandma lived across the highway from us and everything. And I would pretend to be a witch and I would call up the wind. And whenever I did, it would just like freaking gale force winds and the swings are going, you know? And it, to me, it was, I was playing make-believe. I was playing, you know, but now that I think about it and I'm working my, my workings and doing my things, there's more to it to that than that you know yeah well and you know the the difference between us from what i'm hearing is you had gifts when you were young and they were there to an extent but because mm -hmm. it wasn't talked about because it wasn't okay right to be open with it and discuss it and have a safe environment where that was nourished right and it wasn't like what with my parents, it wasn't that it wasn't, it wasn't safe to talk about it or whatever. It was, they were fine with me talking about it and whatever. It was more that it was, they, until my dad started having some experiences that I had, like with the ghosts and things, I was playing make-believe. And it wasn't ever, we were never forced to go to church or forced to believe this way or that way. Whatever we wanted to do, as long as we believed in something bigger than us and were good people, they they didn't care, you know? I think mine was just mostly growing up in Pekin. Because if you well, think yeah. about how much things have changed. So, like, 2006, 2007, mm -hmm. you know, if you're, like, a Marilyn Manson fan and you live oh, in yeah. Indiana, like, you're just asking to get your ass whipped. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Versus now, no one, no one cares about any of that no so well and then the other thing about Pekin is there's not many people around here that care about much of anything either. oh that's also true that's so, also true which is You're kind of wrong. spiritually stifling right. in and of itself it can be especially for where we live because the, the history is not like that so, right at all so yeah and I mean I'm a city girl right I mm -hmm. I grew up and everywhere I've lived has been a melting pot so I'm used to lots of different cultures, different people, but even in the time frame when I was younger, because people didn't talk about things, I had friends who were different religions, but if you'd ask them, well, what religion are you? Like, why do you do this on this holiday? Mm -hmm. Instead of saying like, oh, you know, we're Muslim or we're Jewish or we're this, they would just say, I don't know. This is what my parents do. So, and so no right. one ever talked about it, Right. Um, which you know, again, like when you're young, it's so funny, right? Because when we're like 12 and under, all we want to do is fit in and we want to have friends and we want to fit in. So we do everything we can to stay in these boxes, right? And then when we're 12 or 13, for me anyway, that's when I really stepped into my power and yes. came out really forcefully saying I'm a witch and everyone who has an issue with that can, you know, ask me about it at the door so yeah and the same, that was the same for me too here in Pekin very much so like by the, by the time I hit 13 and when you're 13 and your boy you're just dumb anyways <laughs> but it just very much became uh what what are you gonna do you're gonna hit me okay <laughs> this is not new <laughs> this is this is something that you assholes have been doing for the past 12 years let's just at least now you have a reason <laughs> let's just do that so 
Yeah. And, you know, some of it, I think with me, because I was trained so young, you know, my childhood was a lot different than most people's, obviously with the spiritual part and, and that aspect, but also just, you know, I was taught how to kill men with my bare hands when I was four. Kindergarten was exciting. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I had that natural confidence and there's always something about me and I'll even ask people that I went to school with and say like, why? Because people will tell me even now, like, oh my God, we were deathly afraid of you. And I wasn't a bully. I wasn't mean in any way whatsoever. I, I knew everyone. I was nice with everyone. But there was this whoops, underlying current that people just kind of knew, like, don't mess with her. Yeah. And I think part of that was the self-confidence of like, I knew I could handle myself. Um, I remember, you know, in high school, there was one girl that tried to bully me and my reaction to it was hilarious. And pretty much the entire school rallied around and then laughed at her um, mm -hmm. because I was like, let's go like right <laughs> here. Let's do this. Yep. <laughs> and uh, her reaction was, she didn't expect that I think for me. So, right. um, but you know, even without that, I'm a kind person. I mean, I, I'm, I, I never want to hurt anybody. I feel bad when I hurt a bug. You know, I literally started crying the other day because I stepped on a picture bug by accident and it died. And I, I have that kind of heart. But at the same time, if, if someone's going to come up and be rude to me or someone that I love, it's mama wolf mode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I yeah. go into instant That's defense. Kim, <laughs> very much so. So now Kim, Kim's thing though is like, uh, do not pass go immediate thermonuclear warfare, one thousand percent, and then turn up the volume a little bit. Right, <laughs> for sure. So um, I see it. I, I respect it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I yeah I I I respect it. I'm just sometimes I'm like, hey, we live in a tiny town. Can we uh just like pull that back just a little bit it'll be all right i promise <laughs> so but uh so what was like the the what was your first spiritual path what like when you you've obviously always known you've had a gift but what was your spiritual what drew you in what was the thing that you looked at picked up a book back in the days going to you know the bookstore it's crazy even say it's not that long ago that this was all weird stuff to people. Right. At all. Now there's a whole freaking section oh. in Barnes and Noble and Book and well, Books a Million. There was always a section, but it was a little section. <laughs> well, now there's like thousands of decks of <laughs> right. tarot cards and you had to go books. to like if you were us and you really wanted to get into it, you had to go to like Bardstown Road. Right. Like and go to the bookstore that was next to the head shop that was next to the record store. Right. <laughs> to really find the good stuff. But was there any one thing that you really delved into deeply initially that, that got your attention? You're like, okay, here's where here's the starting point. I wish I could answer you with like some great answer. And I don't mean to sound rude, but I just knew. I came in and I just knew what to do. I was very young doing things that I had never been taught. I I don't read instruction manuals, you know, when we get something, I just take it out of the box. I know how it, it goes, drives yeah. my husband insane because he loves instruction manuals. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he likes reading them for joy. And I'm like, that's weird. So yeah. hard pass. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
but I, I always just knew there were things that I think as I got older, like in my twenties and thirties, that there would be things other people had read. And I'd be like, oh, okay, let me read that and just see. And there were so many things, there'd be things that were right, but so many things that were either underexplained. And I understand the reason why, right? Like they're, mm-hmm. they're starting with beginners or there are things that were just blatantly past that weren't mine. So, you know, it, it, every kind of witch is different, but if you need a name besides just white witch, I am technically an eclectic solitary white witch, which means I don't follow any specific path or creed. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a light worker, so I, I'm a white witch. I only work with the light and I harm none and I try to help all as much as possible. Um, you know, solitary as in I don't work with a coven. I have obviously practiced with other people before but we're all somewhat solitary so when we do something together it's usually for something really big um that we're trying to support each other in um spell work i mean i can remember being four and five years old and putting together a poultice because someone skinned their knee i just automatically knew what to do so a lot of this i came in with and you know, when you talk about genetic memory and, and there being no junk DNA, absolutely. Whether you call it God, universe, source, divine, it, they're not a space waster. Mm-hmm. If you look at everything on this planet, every single atom and molecule is used to the best of its advantage. So why would we have a whole bunch of DNA and brain power that we're not using? We are. It's just not on the physical things that science and day-to-day understanding understand. Yeah. And that, that's an, that's an interesting statement too. And this is, this is a, a rabbit hole. that would be its own, its own show here, but <laughs> you know, uh, I, I guess the best starting point for that would be, I heard a word the other day that I was like, Oh, okay, well that makes sense. So astronostic, but, uh, <laughs> right. Astronaut Gnostic. I was like, Oh, okay, that's great. But, uh, you know, that junk DNA thing, Maybe some of it, what part we're not using, we're just not using it correctly because somebody turned it off on us a long time ago, too. So <laughs> it's a very distinct possibility, I believe. So that is indeed a rabbit hole I intend to be going down soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a fun one, but it's a it's a very hard story to tell. Yeah, because I'm still trying to figure out how to even put it together for the show. And it's something I've been thinking about for over a year and there's little pieces, but I can't. I don't know. It's too, it's too big of a thing for one person to cover all of those things, I think. So, but we'll get there. There has to be some heavy groundwork that's laid. That's already in the public eye mm-hmm. for people to comprehend. And that's actually mm-hmm. why I reached out to you because you had done two episodes, um, you know, the adepts and the esoteric distilling that were so important to me. Um, not only to hear somebody else, say what you said but to put it as beautifully and succinctly as you did and that's why i reached out because i wanted to my job if if someone else has already done the job well i don't want to sit here and repeat something someone else has already done i'd rather shout you out and say hey go listen to his stuff he's already said it i don't need to repeat it Mm -hmm. so you know out of respect because it's yours right it's your baby that you made I wanted to ask, hey, would you mind if I told, you know, my few listeners um, about these wonderful episodes? Because 
they are very, very important. And I think when you get to the point when you are ready to record on that specific episode, you'll see how much foundation was laid by just those two episodes alone. Good. I hope so. And, and thank you very much for the compliments. I do greatly appreciate that. So I don't know, there for a while, as I told you when you emailed me the first time, there for a while, I was like, the only people who are listening to this are people that already know us from the distilling world. Right. Like, and they're just listening like, sitting call each other and be like, did you hear the weird shit that Alan said this week? <laughs> so we do have a few that are... Right. We actually met someone that found us organically at a cemetery walk the other night. Yeah, that was the first, like the first person like, not connected to the distilling industry. Oh. I'm like, oh, that's that's this is a whole thing now. People are catching on. So, <laughs> but, uh, well, yes. you're about to have a whole lot more. So, <laughs> right, right. So, let's talk a little bit about um, some of the work that you do and some of the experiences that you've had. So, I know you've talked about about some of the things that you do, but let's talk about some of the actual experiences you've had with those things that you do. So, one of the things I love about your channel is the is obviously the educational component of it, right? Um, again, like what I was listening to today with identifying different entities, what level they are. Um, and I, the, one of the things that you, the way that you said it in there, the way that you worded it was, you know, sort of the hierarchy but even, you know, even the, the negative connotated sort of things are still part of a hierarchy and they are much higher than what most of us are, are able to, you know, deal with or cope with in one way, shape, form or the other. So I have to presume that you've certainly had some experiences on both the positive and the negative side. Um, and I'd love to hear about some of that. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't speak on it unless I knew it definitively, right? Mm -hmm. So, obviously, I've had a melee of experiences with wonderful good things, you know, from the Fae and Divas and Pixies all, all the way up to, you know, what people would call angels and these beautiful light beings and spirit teams that are amazing. And it's now a joke that when I get together for a dinner party and I'm cooking, that when people see how much food I've cooked, it's it's enough for them and their spirit team. <laughs> I mean, Amen. I am really overcooked. <laughs> um, it's it's now become a joke because I'm just like, just bring your Tupperware. We'll we'll feed everybody. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but in my mind, like that's that's because it's almost hard for me to differentiate okay if six people are coming over i'm expecting them and their spirit teams and so mm -hmm. i present enough food for that which is obviously far too much you know on on the flip side i have you know since i was very young had encounters with dark things um i instinctually knew how to deal with most of them there were some that scared the living you know what out of me um there was one when i was seven i was sleeping and um where i slept i was downstairs everyone else was upstairs and i always slept with my room door closed and my closet was always closed i'm fanatical about that to this day and in the middle of the night the door opens and i thought it was my dad checking on me and this man walks in and it's blacker than black and the feeling was what people would call sleep paralysis now, just that bone chilling 
Yep. <laughs> Ugly. Here. Yep, you know. It keeps happening to you over and over again, I people. I, I have chills all over my body, and I'm about to cry because I have experienced this as well. This is the fourth person fourth. on the show, fourth. I think, that has had this exact experience. Yeah, well... The difference, you know, when it, when I've heard other people tell the story, they talk about being paralyzed with fear. Um, I was not paralyzed. I could physically move. And I physically moved up into the corner of the wall and basically put the blankets over my head just with my eyes so I could be jealous. Because, <laughs> you know, the blanket's going to save me, obviously. Right. Um, but this entity, you know, came in. It was wearing a hat. And it just stood there at first looking at me. And so I said, there's a certain thing that I say that I, I don't say it out loud because I don't want people using it if they don't believe. But um, I said a certain phrase that I had been taught forever so as a child and it wasn't doing anything. And I was shining light at it and it wasn't doing anything, which was the first time that's ever happened for me. Mm -hmm. And it started walking closer and it got to the end of my bed and basically said, come on and join our side. And I knew exactly what it meant. It was telepathic. I knew that it meant, you know, flip on over to the dark side. And I basically struggled. And finally I screamed, no, leave me alone. And it disappeared from the room. Now, what was interesting is the fact that it can even get in the house was it showed its immense power mm -hmm. um because that house was word you know you want to talk about worded and protected that house was like a fortress so i didn't say anything about the experience because i was afraid i was going to get in trouble like i did something wrong right to let it in mm -hmm. um and thinking it was also a test well my dad came down in the morning and said why is your door open and I didn't want to answer. And he walked in the room and he could immediately sense the spiritual sludge, basically, that it left. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, came right over. He started talking to me, tell me what happened. And, you know, I'm crying at this point, telling him because I think I did something wrong. And he's like, nope. And he slept with me every single night. He slept on the ground and held my hand for the next three days. Because, again, for him, the fact that this thing was able to get in after how protected that home was, was extreme. And, you know, we talked about it. At, he had said this was a test. I had had something years later happen um, where I was hanging out with this person and we were on a trip and it was just them and I. And this person was a very open channel. Uh, they had been since childhood. They had levitated, you know, they could make all their toys go off they would have beings jump in and out of them constantly i was working with them to try and heal their spiritual web so that they could live somewhat of a normal life and in the middle of you know i'm just kind of hanging out it was like nighttime almost ready for bed and all of a sudden the back arches and the whole body contorts and i'm like oh god and this was one of the highest dark entities. I don't think I even need to say the name. <laughs> um, 
that came in and basically started speaking through him. And what was really interesting with that experience was I went into instant fight mode of just shine light and stop, get out, leave. And it was the most honey lilt voice that I've ever heard. And mm -hmm. it was sweet and trying to talk me into, you know, come on over to our side. It's so much easier. Isn't it exhausting, you know, being good all the time and giving all these, all the reasons that you've heard probably in every movie and book. Mm -hmm. um, and then there was this cat at the actual house and this cat was, it had a thyroid problem. So it was like 50 pounds, couldn't move. And this poor cat ends up waddling across the room and protecting me. And at one point, at finally I had said, you need to leave now. Like we're done. We're not having this conversation anymore. And this thing bolted at me to attack me physically through this person's body. And that cat jumped in the air and scratched this person's face. And the cat was barely capable of walking. So, you know, having experiences like that, I've, I've definitely gone, you know, up mm -hmm. and down the avenue. Um, I have performed exorcisms. They are not fun. Do not recommend. Zero out of five stars. Um, <laughs> you know, Hollywood does a really good job of kind of showing certain things that people who are possessed show like the weird jerky movements because you've got to think this is another spirit riding this body it's mm -hmm. wonky bodies are wonky mm -hmm. and us we're spirits having a human experience we're just mm -hmm. more used to these vessels right that's you know we're still a little clumsy at times right. but not like them um they look like marionettes mm -hmm. and but the thing that, you know, it would take too long if Hollywood were to do a movie on it, is the palpable sense of fear and absolute despair in possessions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, I feel like they try to do a good job of it, but I, I have not seen anything yet that has fully encompassed what that feeling is like. I have had an angel stand behind me during the middle of one. Um, that power was intense. It was huge. Um, you know, the foot barely even fit in the house, but they're not fun. And I, I, I've heard people say like, oh, I want to witness one. And, you know, the last person no, that asked me this, <laughs> exactly. I told them, you, you really, really don't. I mean, if you want to, poop your pants that's right <laughs> well it's it's funny too that you you said you said the hollywood thing so uh and and i suspect that you probably have the same opinion on this and i've had this conversation with kim a few times mm -hmm. so obviously you know they have to they, a lot of times they have to tell you what they're going to do first of all and that's embedded in a lot of things out there but isn't it funny that the things that are tend to be the most spiritually accurate also tend to be a little over the top and a little tongue-in-cheek because all of these things have a little bit of a trickster element to them and there'll be a thing so here was a good example so uh, i was watching i had missed this and uh, a couple years ago Net netflix did a dracula miniseries right yeah. um yeah and it was 
fine mostly i really enjoyed it i really liked it and it was it was a little over the top and there was a little there were some one-liners in there and stuff it was like no that's exactly that's exactly how that works and and you can always tell when you get done with one of those things because you'll feel a little bit drained yourself in the first place so i got done with that and i was like i'm not ever watching that again the same thing happened with uh penny dreadful yeah that's what i was getting raised that one that one or even ones that aren't overtly spiritual um I just mentioned this as examples for people who don't have, don't think they have spiritual experiences because they do and they just don't realize it. A, a show like even Breaking Bad, n- you watch that one time, you're not going to go back and watch it again for a long time. Mm-hmm. Not if you have any feeling whatsoever, because you can't. So, um, yeah, just an observation. Yeah, uh, it's a good observation. And it's something that I try to talk about for people to be conscientious of what it is that you're imbuing and imbibing, whether it's mentally, physically, cognizantly, spiritually, all of those levels, you know, horror movies. Yes. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not a killjoy. I do enjoy some, but I have to prepare to watch certain things. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, one movie series, for instance, saw I've never seen any of them. Me neither. Um, Egregious killing is awful to me. I have a hard time, even in action movies, when, you know, people are just randomly being blown up and killed. That hurts me. And it's very hard for me to check out and be like, oh, just follow the main character and this is a movie because there's still that deep empathy within my heart. Mm-hmm. And so I have to really be in a different mindset in order to watch and enjoy something like that. You know, mm-hmm. the Conjuring series, obviously, I, I had wanted to watch that movie when it first came out because it's definitely in my realm of things. Um, I know a lot about the Warrens and I was mm-hmm. really interested how Hollywood was going to depict them because there's some things about the Warrens that a lot of people, you know, may not understand. They mm-hmm. they did some risky stuff, in my yes. opinion, but because at the time they didn't know, um, but, you know, they also had to keep the lights on and pay the bills. So we get it. But the first time I watched the Conjuring movie, you know, I go into protection mode because I started seeing all these teenagers come in and I'm like, oh. You know, the last thing I need is all of them going home and picking up a Ouija board or a spirit box app and letting everything and then some in. And so I start putting out my light bubble. And what was really hilarious is I had a thing of junior mints on top of my lap and they actually completely melted together. Oh my (laughs) gosh. (laughs) I became one blob. And my cousin at one point, he, he was with me and he looks over at me and he goes, if you don't tone it down, I'm going to have to move. I am sweating. And we are right underneath the AC. <laughs> and there were two guys sitting in front of in front of us. And one of them says to the other, do they have the heat on in here? Like, what's going on? <laughs> what's happening? Yes. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm bubbling for my life. Well, part of the reason I went so intense is because I looked over and on the side of the theater, I saw this ginormous dark entity. Oh, yeah. And I thought, oh, no. So and and this is before I'd even seen the movie. It was still fresh out in the theater. Um, of course, later in the movie, they end up, you know, writing the being's name in in blocks. And I'm like, OK, so we walk back to my house and we're about a half a block away. And I see the shadow of this being in front of my house. And 
you know, I realize it's not there. It's just the residue that I'm seeing. And so we actually get to my house and, you know, we had just come from there two hours before. So mm-hmm. we knew what the house smelled like and looked like. And I'm, I'm a very neat person. And the entire house smelled like rotten eggs and dirty feet. Mm-hmm. It was oh. disgusting. And when I walked through the residue of this being in front of my house, it was like walking through jelly, but like disgusting. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, I was trying to teach my cousin at the time too, cause he's freaking out. And I was like, okay, let's do our due diligence. Let's check all the trash cans, all the drains. Let's make sure it's not a plumbing problem and roll that out first. You know, I know what I'm dealing with, right. But I'm trying to, to calm everyone down. Right. And so we smelled everything, rolled all that out and had to throw open all the windows and doors to the house, had to call in more people to start praying. I had things running on my roof and jumping off. The fact that just going to see that movie, things were able to get through my bubbles and my wards of my house. That freaked me out. Oh yeah. Because, and, and how many people are watching that, that aren't like us, that aren't paying attention, that aren't seeing those details that are taking these things in. That's the problem with the, with that slide that we talked about earlier from the way things were even 20 years ago to where they are now. Okay. So yes, there's some positive acceptance that happens within that slide. There's also a lot of stupidity that comes with that, right? So, okay, cool. You went and got, you went and got a tattoo because you thought it looked pretty, Mm -hmm. but you don't have any idea what it means. And did you really Mm -hmm. think it looked pretty or do you have a passenger who's using that Mandela that you just got tattooed on you that you think is cool because Tool put it in a music video years ago and didn't stop and think for a minute hey, some idiot is going to go play around with some stuff they shouldn't be playing around with, mm-hmm. and now they've got weird stuff happening. Yep. It just, yep. <laughs> that's that's the unfortunate slide that happens with that positive acceptance too, right? There was, I've had this thought recently, and I've not expressed it even to Kim. I've had this thought recently that even here in Pekin, Indiana, things were almost safer for me when I would get physically punched in the face for some stupid shit that right. I did, right? Because at least not everyone, there's a little... It's the same idea that the Knights Templar had, right? There was a, there was an understanding on the outside that was Catholic, and then only a few people on the inside, and it's because there was protection mm-hmm. in that that way of doing things, and that is gone now. Oh yeah, hundred percent gone. Well, and it's because people are so freaking open, and they don't understand that they need to have filters when it comes to certain things. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm glad that Peter Murphy and Bajas are getting attention. I just also think that there's a lot of stupid that came with it so. right right <laughs> for sure well and that permeates everything it permeates the movies the shows that people are watching mm-hmm. uh, music uh-huh. um and it's deeper than oh you know they used a red background so they're they're talking about satanic stuff okay no that's it, it, let's not look at every red thing or shadow right Mm -hmm. as evil Mm -hmm. that's not how this works it's you thinking you're better than somebody else for absolutely no reason because you believe something different or you look different or you're somewhere different Mm -hmm. that in and of itself reduces your vibration oh yes 
we're all God's creatures. I don't care if you're a human, you're an animal, you're a trash can, you're a chest of drawers. It's, they all have a vibration and an essence. Yeah. So to be rude or mean to things because quote unquote, you don't believe the same as somebody else. That's fine. So, mm -hmm. but at the core, you know, we should all be loving beings. And that to me is the part of religion that's really sad because I feel like that's been so left out for so mm -hmm. long. Yeah, absolutely. And it's supposed to be like the main staple. So, you know, I, I got to the point where people would be like, oh, well, you know, you love Jesus. Uh-huh. Well, so you're a Christian. No. No. Uh -huh. Right. And, right. And people don't even understand that the word Christian technically was a slight. Uh -huh. And during the crucifix was a slight. And, and there's a lot of knowledge that people don't understand. I get it. You know, people have turned things around and... They're using different symbols, not even realizing these come from way older religions mm -hmm. that honor something more divine than you even understand that you're honoring. And then they have the audacity to turn around and say, oh, well, anything in this, that, and the other is considered evil. And I'm like, you have no clue what you're even doing. Mm -hmm. yep. I don't expect everyone to become a historian overnight, but... You know, both of you were saying pretty much how you were raised is just be a good person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think there's a, there's, there's a very, <laughs> there's a very easy physical way to, to think about this too, right? When it comes to those symbols and those sort of things and the way that pop culture has made them completely acceptable, whether or not you have the understanding of them or not, you should have some base understanding of them, right? And and it's because you're responsible for yourself one way, shape, form, or the other. So, for example, I smoke. I know that these are bad for me. I know that they can fuck up my entire physical being. But I'm aware of that, right? I'm making a conscientious choice to take that risk. But I'm informed of what that risk is. Yeah. A lot of these people, do don't. no one takes the time to learn those things anymore. They just, mm -hmm. they, they don't, they don't even take the time. I mean, honestly, right. Who there had, there's more at play here than just people not paying attention. Mm -hmm. I do think that there's much more than that. The, and the thing is, it is, it is ramped up to such an extent at this point, especially for someone like you, I have to imagine that it's becoming overwhelming for you to some degree, some of the things that you're probably running into and seeing in the world and having to deal with. Um, I know that it's, and I don't do, you know, healing or light work or anything like that. It's overwhelming for me as someone who is into those things and sees people making those mistakes. Because every time I say something to them, they get offended. So yeah. you can't, you know what I mean? There's, it, it's, it has to be hard for you to, to deal with that because people are actively coming to you for these, these services. They are. Um, and, you know, the really wonderful thing is when I started my channel, I, you know, I connected very deeply and thought long and hard on this because I was called to do this for years before and had tried other ways thinking, oh, it's easier for me to do it with somebody else and this and that. And that was a whole thing that didn't work out um, because apparently I couldn't appear on camera. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. We, we actually did numerous days where we filmed 12 hours and they would open up the film and it's the top of my head only. Oh, wow. Even huh. 
we had a PA standing there behind the cameras and one was focused on me, one was focused on the two of us and another on the other person. And there was one where all audio, except for mine, my audio was completely blank. Huh. Um, there was one where, and that was my bad, I had forgotten to put on a concealer foundation. And so sitting under the lights, I was two orbs because I have this weird thing with my skin where when you hit direct light, I look really, it's almost like I glow. I'm going to show you actually. You know what? <laughs> Let's show you. Okay. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. <laughs> so, no, absolutely. There was a big difference for sure. So it's called hypertranslucence. Apparently, there's a name for it. But, you know, if you looked at the color makeup that I, I wear, it's, it's darker than your guitar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, so there were all these weird things. So then I figured, okay, I'm not supposed to be on camera. Check. Got that one. And that's really the basis of when I did my channel. I didn't want it to be about what I look like or who I am. I wasn't trying to be mysterious. It was more just supposed to be just focus on what I'm saying. And if that mm -hmm. hits you right, and that is something that you want to learn more about, then learn. I'm not starting a cult. I'm not starting a religion. I'm just trying to be a safe little island in this giant ocean mm -hmm. of all of these people with different modalities and ways to do things and what's right, and what's not right. And, you know, I'm not trying to sell anybody anything. I'm just, I'm here. I'm just trying to give good information. Um, that, you know, obviously this isn't my day job, right? So it's a terrible business. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you on that. Yes. <laughs> but that's one of the things I like about your channel though, too, is that you're, your cadence and your tone works in a very specific way, uh, much in the same kind of way that, um, and he does appear on, on his videos, but like, I'm sure you might be familiar with Morg on YouTube. Um, he does a lot of Gnostic stuff and a lot of, uh, uh, Pythagorean stuff. Phenomenal. Um, but I like that about what you're doing because even with, even with just podcasts that are, that are trying to educate people and there's a lot of them I like, but there's, there's a lot of acting and there's a lot of BS that goes along with it. And there's a lot of like, you're just trying to sell me stuff is really what you're doing here, you know, or get me to join your Patreon or whatever. Right. Which we don't even have one. We have one. We've just never used it. Yeah. And I don't intend to use it. I have no desire to, we did ads on the first couple seasons and I'm not doing ads anymore. Period. Mm -hmm. End of story. Cause I'm not trying to sell you those things. I'm trying to introduce you to concepts that maybe you haven't thought about or maybe you haven't heard people talk about or you're into the concept and you just want more information on it. And that's, that's exactly why I like what you do. I think that it's a great uh, it's a great guide for people who are sort of coming into this thing or have been into it for a little while. And I also love that you're not afraid in your videos to tell people, hey, uh, I would prefer if this is new to you before you listen to this, go listen to this. <laughs> start here and then work your way up to where we're at currently. I think that's important. Yeah. And, you know, to jump back with what you had said with the times being hard because things are ramping up, they are. Um, you know, how uncomfortable was I last year? I had been on two podcasts or maybe three at that point. I had never shown my face. Um, you know, I don't know these people super well. I'm... It, kind of like 
working with them behind the scenes and, you know, would try to be a resource for them, right? After being on their show, because I offer that to anyone. Like if I can help and you know me, please reach out. I'd, I'd rather have one person that you could say like, hey, you know, at least I know this person has my back and will give me the truth. Because if I don't know, I'll say I don't know. Mm-hmm. Now, so last year, The Veil, which obviously, you know, falls and rises mm-hmm. two times a year, late October and early May. And we get through Halloween, we're kind of into Thanksgiving, and then we're into early December and The Veil's not up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm confused because what's going on, right? And so I reached out. Luckily, I have some wonderful people in my life who are older. And this person was in their 80s. And I said, hey, you know, you've been around a good long while. Has this ever happened in your lifetime? And she was like, no. So that was quite unprecedented. So as a result, in early, you know, these downloads started coming and people started having all these crazy experiences and light workers were just getting, you know, kicked in the teeth left and right. We'll put it that way. That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> um, so basically, you know, I get this message from spirit. You need to do a PSA and it's bigger than your channel. You need to reach out to these podcasters and I'm sitting there going, well, this is awkward because I don't, I don't show chase even with mm-hmm. you. I never asked to be on your show. I just said, Hey, can I use your show on mine? You know, to Absolutely. literally yeah. tell people, um, and if someone wants me to be on, that's absolutely okay. Like, I, I love that. It's always nice to be asked, but I'm not trying to be on podcasting. Right. I, like, mm-hmm. not selling anything, right? Um, but so on my own, I had to reach out to these two and this whole thing ends up happening. And they were nice enough in a pinch to do it on a Friday night, literally with one day notice. And record and immediately put it out the next day. And that was the PSA episode that I did with Eric from Uncomfortable and Tommy from Let's Get Freaky last January. Well, the thing of it is, the veil never came back. And here we are. It's October. And the what's very left of the veil, which is barely anything, mm-hmm. is coming down again. And... Look at what's happening in the world. And, you know, mm-hmm. you said, are things getting rough? The past month has been awful. Not only with the hits I've been getting, um, you know, I obviously know now that Spirit was telling me the war was going to happen and how bad it's going to get before it occurred. Um, on the weekend that the war actually broke out, I was supposed to be at a music festival, a really big one. And what's also interesting is, you know, there were a whole bunch of 6.3 earthquakes in Afghanistan that killed thousands of people. And the festival I was supposed to be at was called Aftershock. And the earthquake in Afghanistan, the first one didn't kill people. It was all the aftershocks. Aftershocks. Mm -hmm. And um, so having even just that, now I ended up not going to the music festival um, and ended up doing a convention instead. But... You know, I was about to go up on stage and present when I had just found out that the war broke out and finding that out and understanding like everything clicking of all the messages. And I'm not going to lie, like I did a lot of work on that weekend and I got attacked every single day. And the final day of that trip, when the attack was really bad, it almost got physical. Um, 
something jumped into somebody and they came after me and yeah it was it was rough um i was basically willing to just take my suitcase and find myself five and a half hours to an airport (laughs) right yeah yeah it, it was it was bad so i knew i wanted to go to this rock shop by the serpent mounts and um I end up going to the rock shop right after this whole thing has happened. So I'm, I'm angry. I'm reeling. I'm just like, you know, this is one after the other, after the other, like I I need a break and a nap. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, and I walk in and spirit honestly just provides the perfect people at the perfect time. And I walk in and there's this beautiful being, his name is Thomas and he owns the rock shop there. And, I don't know why, but I just, I knew he was a safe space. And Mm -hmm. I went up and I said, I traveled 2,500 miles to come here to see you and come to your shop. I was just spiritually attacked at the serpent mounds. And I know that I came here and you're supposed to give me something. And he was so sweet and kind. I started bawling, crying because he was like, okay. And um, it was this wonderful, joyful experience that I got to come out of all of this awfulness with Mm -hmm. this beautiful story. And, you know, at the end, I just hugged him and thanked him. And then I ended up meeting this amazing young couple with this adorable baby. Um, And this kid runs out, I'm calling him a kid, but he's in his like mid twenties, I think. And I, I didn't say anything when they were in the shop anything weird or woo-woo, right? Because I'd already seen a couple people because the town's in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I'd already seen people and kind of seen that, like, we can't say anything woo-woo or spiritual. So I kind of knew, okay, you know, know my place, rein it in, right? <laughs> right. Um, so I go out to the parking lot and this this guy runs out and he goes, excuse me. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, what's your YouTube channel? <laughs> and I'm like, what? Because I never said I had a YouTube channel. And right. I just go, Jijiro777. And he looks at me and his eyes well up with tears. And I'm trying not to get emotional when I talk about this, but it's so sweet. And he looks at me and he goes, I've been waiting to find you. Oh, wow. And, you know, obviously he's crying. I'm crying. I have to give him a hug. The baby. I got the whole baby. That was super cute. <laughs> but what I learned is there's so many people out there, especially you know, in the Midwest, in the South, all over the world, really, that are so alone. And Uh all of these gifts, they've, they're seeing things, they know things, they feel things. And they're around a whole bunch of people who are telling them, you know, you're evil, you're going to hell, that isn't so you need to, you know, go to a mental institution in some cases. And how sad is that? And how lonely is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. And you know, the the veil for us here around around where we are, it's been a couple year thing. And I, I mentioned this on. We on, noticed it the most, like during the lockdown, during the pandemic. Yeah, because, because everybody was at home and everything yeah. was looking for. It needed energy and it needed to feed, and everybody is conveniently feeding it by watching the things and doing the things and not knowing what they're doing. But absolutely, I mean, now you have you know doctors and lawyers who would not have dared have said anything four or five years ago they'll say it now they'll Mm -hmm. come out and they'll say it now because they've seen enough of it to know that it's out there but they don't have anybody to talk to about it in their in their circle 
they should. Uh, I think people are more open to it than what people realize. I just, nobody's really, nobody is really, very few people are having the in-depth conversations. And this goes back to the podcaster thing, right? Like, are you just telling a story or are you having the conversation? Right? Are you, is, is this just content for you or are you having a conversation? And, and much like you, like I, I don't chase the podcast. I set out for uncomfortable and AI for two reasons because AI are like all of my friends that we hang out with. It was just mm-hmm. like hanging out with buddies. Yeah. And uncomfortable, Eric's willing to get into the weirdness. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the only other third one that I would ever even try to go after, and I'm not nearly popular enough to get on that show uh, anytime soon would be the higher side chats because he does the thing. He mm-hmm. goes in depth on those things. Right. And that's, that's important. It's important to have the platforms. But it's also important to not just to get into the meat and potatoes of it rather than yeah, just skirt across, not just know. content can't just be content. Well, and that was part of the reason why I was so excited when you asked me on, I mean, you could have just said, Hey, I just want to have a conversation with you about, you know, me, using your stuff but i didn't care if we recorded or not the first time i heard you on the uncomfortable podcast immediately i was like oh (laughs) he's like (laughs) (laughs) and and then by the end of the recording i was like no if i were to see or talk to him i would call him brother and he would know what that means yeah like Uh it it's deeper than just oh i really like your content it's deeper. It's, it's more a spiritual and a soul connection. And Uh same with your wife. I mean, hearing you on your, once I started actually listening to your podcast and then hearing both of you talk, I was like, ah, you get it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, And the funny thing about AI, I absolutely love those guys. I, I had not heard of them before. I'm kind of sheltered in the podcast world, right? Like now I've listened to a lot more, but um I'm very much the type of person that if I find a podcast that I like, I want to go back and listen to the beginning and then yep. all the way through. So that takes a lot of time. So therefore, I'm not starting a whole bunch of new shows all over the place. Well, with AI, Eric from Uncomfortable had had them on. And, or sorry, he was on their show. And I like supporting whatever he does because he's a wonderful guy. And that was actually the first podcast I was on. So I'm very loyal and anything he does, I like to throw support at. So I'm listening to him interview them and they seem just like fun guys. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing my makeup and the spirit is screaming in my ear, this message. And I'm like, hey, back up. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, um, and then he's like, no, you need to tell them. And I was like, no, I am not going to reach out to three random guys on a podcast and be like, hi, this appearance in my ear with a message for you. And it, I mean, he was adamant. And so I messaged Eric and I was like, hi, I I want out of this. Can you just pass this message on for me? And he was like, sure. Because I don't, I never know how it's going to be received, right? Mm-hmm. I should know by now if spirit wants me talking to someone, I should just do it. But still, I'm shy. And so he did, and it it led to me talking with them and getting to know them a little bit better. And they were like, well, I guess people have found us in weirder ways. <laughs> but well, that- they are such nice guys and kind people. And that's, that's the one thing that I really strive for. I really mm-hmm. strive 
to find and work with good, kind people who are doing something good for the world. And there is a place for people who want to talk about the weird and want to go down rabbit holes. Mm -hmm. If they're in alignment with it not being all for show and just having right. something else to, to push, if it's in alignment with something good and educating and furthering and helping people, if it's just all for show and it's just to get likes and stuff like that, that's, that's mm -hmm. not really for me. Well, that's, that's one of the reasons why for me with it, with AI, why I went after them is, you know, I, I figured, you know, you're, you, you have Appalachian blood. I have Appalachian blood. Um, I figure you guys probably like to drink a little bit and you probably at least <laughs> on the face of things, know some things about distilling, but let me show you a facet of it that you don't know. Because if I, if you guys can follow this, then your audience will follow it. And it, it brings them to that next level. And with Eric, it was. I'm sure you like to drink, but I know you also like weird shit. So <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's do that uh, sort of thing. And I think that that works well. But um, uh, I, and I keep getting off on these little tangents because I think what, what's going to end up happening is we're going to end up doing multiple shows with you over time uh -huh. because I'm going to yeah. keep bothering you because I have more questions. Um, You're not bothering me at all. <laughs> and a lot of things that we can get into that I think, and they don't have to be like, none of this stuff has to be like super technical, just things that fill in gaps for people, right? But um, I think that the next question that I have for you, and I'm going to get to the crows in a little bit too, and the animals in a minute too. Um, but the next question I have for you. So we talked about this slide that's happened in culture and this change in things as, as has happened. And there's a wider, greater acceptance. The veil's down. There's weird stuff happening in the world. Everything is ramping up. There's, there's some force power behind it, etc. And, and we'll get into that at some point in time. Uh -huh. My question for you um is what do you see as being the biggest mistake that most people are making right now or a common mistake you see that people are making that's bringing some of these more negative entities uh, onto them or even more importantly into them uh and that they're 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 accepting of it to some degree all right you asked <laughs> you know to answer that question I want to back up to when you were talking about when the lockdown happened. Yeah. And you were seeing a lot of people because they were alone or isolated mm -hmm. and all of a sudden they had time, right? A lot of people, quote unquote, woke up. Yes. And then there were a lot of people who actually woke up. Right. Now, the people who actually woke up is because it was finally quiet enough that they couldn't ignore their gifts anymore. Things right. were slow and quiet enough that, you know, all these things that they pretty much lived with their whole life that they've kind of like pushed mm -hmm. to the side, they were really able to, to dive into mm -hmm. and to say, okay, this isn't happening by chance. <laughs> right. And I'm, I'm not able to deny this anymore. But there were a lot of people who quote unquote, think they woke up, mm -hmm. but in reality, they went to sleep. Yes. And kind of at the wheel, unfortunately. And, you know, this isn't an ego thing. It's just something that I've always done over my life. I, I kind of monitor things, right? Mm -hmm. And my mind is really, really good at seeing the puzzle pieces fit together mm -hmm. really, really quickly. And so, you know, just... I'm just going to say it, but 
the QAnon thing I saw coming and the largeness of the issue <laughs> right presented uh, long before other people did. And I was trying to bring this to other people's attention and most people I would talk to are like, I don't even know what QAnon is. Like, what are you even talking about? And I'm mm -hmm. like, well, you're all saying it's message though. So, you know, you're, you're touting something and you don't even know what it is that you're touting. And there was so much of this anger, desperation, this, you know, all attempts are futile and, and just drowning in this midst of sorrow, mm -hmm. uh, you know, this is all a psyop. They're taking this away. You know, they're putting all the weird things that were being said. And, you know, it, it got weird. Like it went from, you know, Oh, it's made in a lab to just go out and put sunshine up your Anus. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I didn't even say that with a straight face. I'm sorry. <laughs> Try not to cackle in your ears, but um, yeah, that was a thing. So, I mean, the ridiculousness and mm -hmm. it was, it was like people were eating this and buying this hook, line and sinker. And I'm sitting over here and I'm going, do you understand how ridiculous this sounds? Right. Like you're literally saying opposing things and, and yet you're calling me sheeple. And in fact, you're being a sheeple. So, right. you know, and even calling another person a sheeple to begin with is denigrating. So yes. what are you doing? If, if you're supposedly in the know and so awake and enlightened, then why don't you share with the group and why aren't you trying to help out your fellow man and raise mm -hmm. people up? Instead, all you're doing is telling everyone you know get ready to live in a bunker all by yourself alone and full of despair because this is what a spiritual awakening has to do and it enraged me because spiritual awakenings are not always ugly yes there are some bumpy rides yes there are some parts of it that aren't easy in the beginning when you're right. understanding how things work and you know attacks come and and even just learning balance with certain energies but that was really a pivotal moment for me when I started to understand there's an oppositional force here and it's pretending it's mm -hmm. on the side of good truth and righteousness. And, you know, they completely hijacked Christianity. They mm -hmm. made that not only a political movement, but it, it became the absolute opposite to the point where we have pastors now reporting that when they, are in church and they are quoting Christ's words that parishioners are coming up and saying, stop talking about the liberal talking points. And they're like, no, th these are the direct words of Jesus. Right. I, these parishioners are saying, we're not going to give any money to your church until you stop, you know, talking about that stupid commie stuff. Christ's words. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> right. So, Again, it comes down to if you don't know what it is that you supposedly are touting and you believe in, um, fix it. Right. Because if, if what you're saying is diametrically opposed to how you're acting, that to me is a hypocrite. Yes. And, you know, if y'all know the Bible, you know what Jesus did in the temple about the hypocrites. 
Yes. He tossed over tables. Yeah, absolutely. So I was like, why don't I go on YouTube and just toss over some tables? (laughs) (laughs) But really gently and sweetly. (laughs) Ah, Yeah, I feel you on that. I, I I get in those... I get in weird positions because I tend to mostly, most strongly identify as a Sethian Gnostic, and I have some some very good evangelical friends, and they're, they're, there's actually a couple of them that'll be on the show at some point because I, mm-hmm. I believe in giving all of them a platform. They all have mm-hmm. a, a space Why to talk and yeah. and say, and you know, a lot of times there are things that they say that I do agree with, right? And then, but when when we start having you know theological conversations, you know, and it's it's whatever their faith is that they've been taught versus what was actually intended by the language of the time, the way it was written, then that's when the conversation gets really, really interesting. Although one of them, one of the two of them, and I'm not going to say his name, but you know who it is. uh, So he always makes it a point when we hang out, whatever, talk business, drink, uh, pray at the end of it, and he'll do his prayer, and I'll pray with him, and then I'll do my version of it. And then he'll wait two or three days. They'll call me and be like, hey, what the hell? What the hell did you mean by that? <laughs> and I'll be like, all right, let's go to Sunday school. Hold on. <laughs> so. Well, and, and there's one thing that's really interesting. I don't know why this jogged my memory, but obviously it's important if it's knocking at the door of my mind. It, it was, there was this moment, something, God, something ugly was happening in the world. Pick a day, right? And, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> There was a friend of ours who is, you know, calls herself a Christian and I call her a prayer warrior. She really is. She really is good at prayer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this thing that was happening, yes, it was awful, but it needed to happen. And it was mm-hmm. very clear why it needed to happen in order for other things to occur that were better. And, you know, out of the mud comes the lotus, right? Mm-hmm. And so we, we try to tell her this and she goes, oh, no, no, I'm just going to pray for this to completely stop. And I looked at her and I was like, but why would you do that? Why, why would you put your will on it instead of God's will? Mm-hmm. Like you're praying when you're praying. Aren't you asking in God's will? And she's like, no, I just pray for whatever I want. And then it happens. And I'm like, you might be a witch. Witch. <laughs> Right. But but even, you know, yes, I am a witch, right? And even with everything that I do, I always ask if this is in the highest good for all involved, so mote it be. This is what Mm -hmm. I'd like, but only if it's in the highest good. And I have I have had times where it didn't happen and then spirit is kind enough to show me why. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. And that just replicates even more trust and faith because I understand these things aren't happening because it's bigger than my little want at the time, or it's bigger than what I think I know at the time, there's a bigger picture. Uh And sometimes that bigger picture, I feel like gets missed because in society we've become very selfish and narcissistic and everything is what I want. Me, me, me and instant gratification. And that's also very scary because mm-hmm. now you have people who are wielding around energy and prayer, not fully understanding the magnitude exactly. of what they're asking for. And they're not asking for any divine process or filtering. They're just imposing their will. They're calling so, up the wind. <laughs> yes. 
so, from all directions though that's the, <laughs> yeah you know when that happens there's a typhoon or a tornado exactly <laughs> someone's <Right>. getting wiped out <laughs> well and a lot of them don't even a lot of people don't even necessarily know their own theology so like you did a good job in, in your video of explaining your theology and, and sort of the hierarchy of how those entities work. And, and so you mentioned the, the, the Christian witch thing, which in a, in a lot of ways is not terribly different from Sethian Gnosticism, right? So right. I've had this, this conversation many times uh, that, and I have a probably an interesting hierarchy, I would suppose, right. of things. But, you know, as a, as someone who mm -hmm. identifies as Gnostic, you know, I, I, I believe that the greater light overall and and all of those things is is something that's that is not necessarily something that you can pray to because I don't think it necessarily is listening to those things and I don't think that's something you can sacrifice to because I don't think it has any need for any of those things mm -hmm. but exactly. I also know that we live in a world that in my in my mind and you can call him whatever whatever you wish to call him but where Yadabaoth or Yahweh uh whether I like it or not controls things and has some control over things in this sphere of the world uh and you live in his house so you have to at least play by his rules to some degree <laughs> for better or worse so um and you can use those that that particular power via prayer to to do the things that that you know you believe are right or good or the things that he believes are right or good but they're still you're still playing by his rules right and then there's lesser gods you talked about the old gods so mm -hmm. Um, and those things are, are things that very much affect the world too. So, well, and it's interesting you brought that up because I don't think people realize in the Old Testament that God, the one that required sacrifices, mm -hmm. the one that was jealous. It's not the same God, God as the New Testament. Exactly. No, mm -hmm. there are and books in the New Testament that are probably, probably canonized to that God that probably shouldn't, in my opinion, be in the New Testament. Um, agree. At, in fact, a great many of them are in there that shouldn't be in there. But that's where you have that fun rub with traditional Christians where I can't have that conversation. <laughs> so. Right. And, you know, I, I think actually you and I are going to have to uh, work together a little bit. Because um, what I am getting prepared to do a video on soon is going to be bringing a lot of this up. And why we have so many wars and why we're still having religious wars when supposedly it's all the same God, right? It's not. It's not. That's um, the problem. And between accepted canonical books, Old Testament and New Testament, and this is something we could definitely get into, there's at least five different gods mentioned or implied between yes. both sets of books so correct um absolutely uh including yeah we don't yeah that's a whole thing that we yeah we, we can, <laughs> if you're willing to work on something like that with me and then you want to do something i i would love to do that because it's that's another one of those things it's too big for me to to handle <laughs> so yeah uh no i'm i'm completely willing to to I, I have to do it whether I like it or not I would love to do it with someone such as yourself who can help make it sound maybe a little bit better um, but in all honesty the truth needs to come out I think we're we're at a point where 
things are starting to add up. People are starting to understand like, wait, this doesn't make sense. Why were y'all fighting? If if everything's the same, why are we all fighting? And there's a, there's enough questioning happening that I think it's ready. Um, you know, I've already been burned at the stake and <laughs> hung <laughs> a couple different ways in past lives. So um, I don't have to worry about that anymore. I think that there's even a, a thing that I can I can say in here, and you may have something to contribute here too, and then we'll we'll talk about the the crows as well. But um, I think for anyone who's listening to this, that might be excited about that potential project. Uh, so you mentioned uh, basically being a good person. Um, if you want somewhere to start that's not in the Old Testament or the New Testament, the Gospel of Thomas is a great place to start because you get the best of both worlds, including the tongue-in-cheek bullshit, where his friend's like, oh, that board's too short. What are you going to do? And Jesus is like, look, a miraculous board stretcher. <laughs> <laughs> so you get a little of the trickster element in there, but you also get that higher Gnostic meaning and the be good to yourself and be good to other people, the, the Christos symbolism as opposed to the Jesus Christ symbolism. So... And it's funny you say that because the book of Thomas and the book of Mary are the two that I recommend to everyone to read mm-hmm. of the Gnostic Gospels. Um, they're so incredibly important. Not only, I mean, <laughs> the Gospel of Thomas has some uh, some interesting stuff in it, but the book of Mary, as a female, and respecting that female energy, it speaks. Yeah so deeply the first time i read it i cried Mm -hmm. second time i read it i was crying out of joy but it touched so deeply because it's something that i believe so fervently and that i've seen over and over and over again and you know i'm not male bashing whatsoever it's it's just that there's there's a different energy and it was all talked about there and yet completely rejected (laughs) you're absolutely correct and so here's here's the interesting part about the way things have slid right so uh you're the first female that i've ever talked to that has been involved (laughs) in that enough to see the beauty of that versus going well lilith is who i identify with okay and which aspects exactly do you identify with right which ones i mean we even had lilith fair in the 90s right and okay yes is there a strong feminine aspect there yes but is but it it's a not a good one <laughs> no not really now if you go back to the egyptian concepts there's probably some positivity there but if you're solely basing this on a female character who didn't you know obey adam but then you look at the results of all of that then, then probably you might be a little misguided versus the gospel of mary so, yeah. you know, um, and, and here's the other part of it. You can take both those, you can take any of those books that involve Lilith, any of that pseudopographa, and then put it next to the Gospel of Mary. And now you have both sides of a feminine personality, and that's fine too. But leaning hard into that Lilith, uh, that whole mother of demons thing, and that's what they are doing because they think it makes them a rebel. They think that right. it makes them cool, and it doesn't. Not in any way, shape, or form. No more than, no more than if I were to uh, take, uh, and then some of them I don't think are negative entities completely. But if if I were to completely one hundred percent say that Azazel was what I identified with, anyone that was in the know should be like, oh, 
okay, I'm probably going to keep my distance a little bit from this guy. Uh, I'm going to like retreat a couple, you know, hundred miles. <laughs> yes, exactly. Aspects, not, not totality. So, yeah. And you know, one part of my practice and it, it works for me because it makes sense for me. Um, I don't deity worship. I deity respect. Yes. Mm-hmm understand the divine essence of those deities and i have worked with deities before so it's not like i haven't worked with them i just don't do deity worship the way a lot of other people do um and because for me there is one finite thing that we are all at the top we're all a part of and that's why i say you can call it god divine creator universe source i don't care what name you want to give it it's all the same thing to me there are different ways to get there right but um now there are different deities i've i've worked directly with some indirectly with others um some of them knowingly some of them you know i (laughs) f-a-f-do'd but i respect them for what they are and due to that respect they've given me respect back and i've actually had intelligent conversations um with them and there's duality in all mm-hmm. and that's the thing i mean even in in christ there's a little bit of duality and a lot of people might think that's heretical to even state but it's there had the to truth. Be. he was he was jewish he was he was Jewish, and he's going against everything the Jewish faith said. There had to have been duality to him. Well, and the other part is, I think there, you know, Jesus showed up in a lot of other places. Every major culture has a Messiah that comes and pretty much is the son of God or the son, right? Mm-hmm. And is martyred or dies and then resurrects three days later. So we say Jesus, but there are lots of different names. Yes. Depending on culture you're in. And I think that should be honored and respected as well. Well, And there's a reason why that deity showed up in all of those cultures. Well, and the Christian culture should understand too, that they had two because they also had John the Baptist, but nobody wants to talk about that either because that becomes very quickly occult and esoteric and odd and Templars and Freemasons and all that fun stuff. But um, yeah, I I agree with you. They all have duality. So I I have, and this goes back to your hierarchy video, uh, when I pray, and I do include deities in those prayers, but also local spirits and and, uh, local people and, and little people and local spirits. I'll get out in a minute. (laughs) Um, but I immediately just presume the following. Here's what I presume. I presume that anything that can hear me in this third dimension that we live in is not answering my prayer because they're of good heart, but because they want something from me as well. That is my presumption. And so as such, when I include Dionysus in my prayers, it's because I'm obviously a distiller. And so what does Dionysus get out of me? Uh, People remember that he's Dionysus and it's a thing. And, you know, I put his name on a bottle. There's uh, something that he's getting from me. But then I'm asking him, hey, if you want me to continue to talk about you down here in this little mud hole, uh, I'm going to need a little something from you as well. So step it up a little bit. Yeah. And 
I don't have an issue with people working with deities as long as they understand who they're working with. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there because certain old religions have come back into fashion and I'll see people out there, like you were saying earlier, you know, they'll get tattoos or they're wearing things. And I'm like, do you even understand what that means? Mm-hmm. Or like what you're worshiping or representing? And my my biggest creed, if there was, you know, if you were to say <laughs> JJ's quotes of the year, right? <laughs> Stop messing with things you don't, you don't understand. Know. Yes. Mm-hmm. Don't. Just don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um period end research we have the internet now at the the very least go read anything that carl Jung wrote that will inform you on all these archetypes that you're looking into or thinking about and you know i think there's i think there's another level here too that we could talk about uh in our in our project in the future as well as um one of the things i've gotten very interested in so i mentioned you know if it can hear you, it's probably not necessarily a completely benevolent thing. Mm-hmm. But I do, I have come across one recently that I think is in between that greater light and the, the unreachable, the unknowable overall, and those lower levels. Um, and that's Thoth. And I think that there are some other deities that are like that that aren't, aren't maybe getting some of the attention that they should be getting. So there are more than that. And. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there were people before people, uh-huh. and a lot of people forget that. Um, yep. Or they just think that's myth or lore. They don't fully understand that. There are a ton of beings that are here to help us. Mm-hmm. I interacted with one. Um, I still do on occasion. I, you know, reached out and was like, hi, you know, obviously I qualified everything into all my protections but basically asked if there was an interdimensional being that wanted to be friends um and literally it rang my doorbell made my doorbell say hello because i had put out there if you want come by and say hello and the funny part was my doorbell rang on its own and said hello and my doorbell doesn't say hello so Mm -hmm. and then it you know it messed with my phone and had a spirit app come on and say you know hello white witch and then there was this time a couple weeks after that i was i was having a really really rough time um something was going on it was pretty heavy and just laying on the bed you know what was me right and i had my alexa just playing classic rock mm-hmm. and this song comes on and i and i i had my hand out i was crying and I felt this hand come over my hand. I could feel it. I could feel the warmth. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow. And this song comes on. I've never heard this song before or since. And it said, hey, you, laying over there. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, hello? <laughs> <laughs> yep. And, and, you know, I look up and I'm like, what is going on? And this killer guitar solo starts. And then it goes... I see you're heavy with burdens. And I'm like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then it was like, just give your burdens to me. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sold. Yeah, Sold. like we had a moment. Um, <laughs> but I felt that being come a couple other times. And 
it's all heart. It's all love. It's all just, I'm here for support. It's not crawling up my butt. It's not asking me for a whole bunch of, you know, of anything. Um, I give respect where respect's due. And I, I give it love and light as I would do to anything. But, you know, it's it's not twisty. It's not, there are some deities that are, but there are a lot that are coming in right now to help a lot of us. Yeah. And they're higher of, up that hierarchy for sure. Yes. And some of them, I don't even think we have names for this one. I, I don't have a name for no, I've I, asked. I, I agree. And as you said, there were people before there were people. And I think that that, that to, to sort of clue those that are listening in, I think that that Thoth idea is one of those. I firmly believe that that was a being that walked on, on this earth. And, uh, I will even say that, that as part of my own spiritual revelation in, in recent months, uh, that is a, a being that doesn't demand anything of me other than saying that, Hey, everything that you do in your world and in your life, uh, is reflective of these 10 things that I've given you. And that's that's in both the physical realm of what I do for a living, but also in the spiritual realm of who I am and what I am. And then I feel like he also followed that up with, could you please tell Dionysus he's an asshole? <laughs> <laughs> so, and he's not everything he thinks he is. <laughs> oh, you know, it's it's so interesting when you start going with different deities and with the old gods and these beings that we don't even have names for because I really feel that there's a convergence happening, which is why the veil has been ripped away. And, you know, I, I've said this when all the disclosures started coming out about, you know, the UFOs or UAPs or whatever acronym they're being called by now. Um, some people were asking me, well, like, you know, well, I don't believe it because why now? And I'm like, because there's, no way exactly i mean <laughs> yeah. it's it's coming to the point where you know they're starting to land in backyards yeah. <laughs> right they're, they're not telling you the entirety of the truth but they're certainly telling you enough of it now that they know that they can't hide all of it anymore mm -hmm. so, right yeah right so all right so i think this will be the last question tonight and this is going to be a big episode i'm going to leave this all as one episode i'm not going to oh, wow. cut this it's going <laughs> to run as one episode so because it's nice to have someone on that you can have these sort of theological and spiritual conversations with because we, and I've loved every guest that we have, but there are very few where I can do that. Banter back and, and forth. Yes, and, and have those have conversations. Have a conversation. So you uh, had mentioned the, the Me and the Crows episode that I did, and you mentioned that you work with animals as well. Um, it's been a while since I've done that episode. I hope I got everything out that I intended to say, but... Um, you know, and then you can break that down to the base of, you know, whatever someone's quote unquote spirit animal is or whatever. But uh, the crows for me are are a little bit of everything because they're out in the daytime, but they're obviously a creature of, of darkness to some degree, or at least perceived darkness from the human perspective. They live in the same place forever. They live in family units. They're very protective of one another. Although they almost always have a village idiot who ends up being the sentry. <laughs> like, hey, get Billy Bob over there to go look and see what that weird noise is. Because if he gets shot, I'm not going. We'll go later and mourn him. And that's a whole thing. But uh, And they're incredibly smart. Um, and oh, I yeah. tend, tend to think, because my genetic memory is not from here in southern Indiana. My my All my family, everybody's from somewhere else. But... 
you know, usually like with Kim, her family's been here for seven generations, eight mm -hmm. generations, whatever. My family's been here for two generations, two and a half, technically. So I use the crows specifically when I'm researching distillers and local spirits that I want to connect with because they, the crows know more about any given area than any human, no matter how old they are and how connected they are to a community will ever know and they can they can lead you to things like they did when we were in yes in switzerland county yeah um and so i rely on them a lot for those reasons um also once you forge a connection with them and our crows out here are a little shy they won't come and get anything from me the ones at work will come get peanuts at least these here will not but they will let us know right if something weird is going on right very quickly so so it's interesting because when I heard that, you know, total hits my heart because I work with crows very much. Um, I speak with all animals, as I said prior, like I'm having an actual conversation. Um, I have friends who will, you know, message me, hey, you know, my dog or my cat or whatever goldfish isn't, you know, acting right. Can you, you know, ask them what's going on? And I can't. And that's very normal to me. I guess that's not normal to the world, but to me, I'm like, what? why are you asking? But when people start working with me, typically in the beginning, um, they will start seeing crows or blackbirds or ravens mm -hmm. show up. And I, I never really publicly said it, um, but people kept bringing it up. And I said, well, it's, easier for me other than me going and popping and checking in constantly or having an energetic cord so that I'm not being siphoned dry it's easier for me to ask the crows to check in on you or the blackbirds or the ravens depending on the area and they report back mm -hmm. and it's kind of hard for people to see that around that <laughs> I could absolutely see that yeah and so basically they're you know they they scout for me now you know that being said i do have the ability where i can be where you are right now if mm -hmm. you want me to and i can see everything and energetically you will feel me as if i'm there even though i'm physically where i'm at um but obviously you know i have a lot of people that i work with and a lot of energy cords and so sometimes it's too overwhelming and so i let the crows kind of let me know when something's going on. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, you know, I'll be out walking and all my friends just think I'm just randomly talking to everything because I do. <laughs> <laughs> but what will happen is all of a sudden, you know, like this morning, for instance, I had a whole murder of crows outside my house, which was abnormal. Um, mm -hmm. Normally I have about three that always come and I feed them. And when they all came, I said, okay, guys, what's going on? And they yep. were just giving me the report. And then off they go. And, you know, I, I guess I explained that to a normal person. They'd be like, I'm sorry, what? But to me, it just makes total sense. Right. Yeah. And any of my coworkers that hear this are going to be like, no, it makes sense. Because Alan has assembled at least a crow army one time in front of people at work. And then also did it in Switzerland County with Justin, my assistant distiller, when we were over at the other historic yeah. place. and pulled them off the river so no, right. they'll get it <laughs> yeah and you know i i work with other animals too um crow and wolf typically are my two mm -hmm. um i have multiple witnesses who if there's like a wolf or 
or husky that's part wolf, uh, the dog will actually stop howl and we'll, we will jump and roll around on the ground together. And I've had more than one owner be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, no, I'm having the time of my life right now. <laughs> so, so it's it's a kinship that I have with those um, animals. And, you know, my spirit wolf, sometimes when I'm in super protection mode, I've ha- walked into places and they'd be like, hey, you can't bring your dog. Oh, because they will actually see her. Um, and so that's just part of working with the energy with the animals. I mean, crows in specific for me, you know, like I said, I already knew that you were a brother. But um, when you said the crow thing, I was like, oh, OK, now we're just cementing it now. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's a, a good time for that conversation, too. And uh, I'll put this in there because I'm, I'm not doing any exposition on the on the episode I did this in. But last night I did. um uh, for spooky season, and yeah. you'll, you'll appreciate this. I did uh, the Raven. Well, I did the Raven. I the did Telltale Heart. Yeah, the Telltale Heart. I also did uh, Little Orphan Annie um, by James Whitcomb Riley. Um, but the uh, the Raven struck me in a way last night that I'd never interpreted it before, and I, I think that maybe even Edgar Allan Poe interpreted it this way, but everybody else didn't because they see the Raven as a messenger of death and doom and. You know, the foreclosure of certain things in life, etc. All those dark gothic archetypes. That's not the way yeah. that I read it when I when I narrated it. The way that I read it was actually sadder in some ways. So for me, when I got done with it, when I did that recording of it, uh, and, and I sort of was interpreting it as I went in my own voice, what I realized was that Lenore was the raven, and he's too stupid to realize that she's the raven. And she's not saying nevermore you won't see Lenore again. She that's just, it's just that's her only way of communication. That was Lenore, and he can't see that the Raven is his love, and she's there with him. All he hears is the word nevermore, and he thinks that that means that they'll never be together again. But she's there already. That's why the Raven was there in the first place. Well, and that's the interesting thing with ravens and crows is they are walkers between two worlds. Mm-hmm. And as a result, they're able to bring messages from the other side over, which is also why, you know, I'm able to use them in, in the capacity that I am. But, you know, I, I'm a huge Poe fan. Um, I was definitely, you know, a little gothy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just wore a ton of eyeliner. But um, Poe is a lot deeper than than people actually realize Mm -hmm. and the beauty of it you know obviously i i do love gothic poetry and gothic writing but that poem in particular it wasn't like that cemented my love of crows that happened way before but it is interesting that he chose to use the raven Mm -hmm. being that a walk in between both absolutely it's this is a fun one too, and I think this would be a good place to to wrap things up for tonight. But we have we have a lot of things that we can work on together in the future for sure. But uh, I hadn't told you this yet either. But when I did it, it was your your idea to do a Telltale Heart, right? right. And I'd read it, but it'd been a long time. Mm-hmm. I'm a little sad that I can't see Clint Eastwood act that fucking part out. <laughs> like I desperately want to see just a crazy fucking Clint Eastwood, like in his mid twenties, 
mm-hmm. like sitting at a table, just raving mad and telling that story. Right. That's you what I want to see. Do it. Right. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. I loved it. So well, and you, we were talking about the animals and them being in between worlds. Well, we were when we were in Vivi a couple oh, of weekends yeah. ago. We had the crows that led us places in a cemetery we were looking for a distiller but we also ran into a guardian and it was a cat uh, like the most halloween fucking cat ever too it was uh, yeah if it was an actual cat right like it was we were at least part main coon and a hundred percent black with green eyes oh yeah and it, not only that we had come across at least one working <laughs> in the cemetery on a grave that you know we had penny with us and we had to tell her you know don't touch that because we don't know what's attached to it you know just leave it and we found a and this is in a community too that is um they were swiss swiss french uh, french swiss huguenots uh early on in the 1800s and so coming from you know uh, cuvee val de traverse region uh long 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 history of of witchcraft that was you know oppressed by the church later on so we also came across a above ground tomb that had like fallen in but the the top piece was still elevated and someone was actually using it as a working altar there was a altar cloth on it that had been there recently like it wasn't even faded um and so we come up and the way the cemetery is shaped, like in the first section, the oldest section, it's a bowl. And there's like maybe five or six tombstones down there. And this above ground tomb is right at the crest of this hill. We walk up there and I look at it. And Alan and I both said at the same time, Penny, don't touch that. It's an altar. And then you look down the hill and under the tree. And there is this giant black cat under this tree just sitting there staring at us. And we're like, okay, because we both go, okay. And I said, you know, we're not here to hurt anything. We're just exploring, looking for someone. And he walked off into the woods. Didn't see him for a few minutes. After he mean mugged the shit out of me for five minutes, he walked off in the woods. Right. Well, he did it. He did it again as we like we went down into the bowl and was looking further. And he's sitting just like there was a fence line. He was sitting just under the fence, staring at Alan. Like, I mean, he was staring at Alan like. And I was like, we're going to leave an offering. We're not here to hurt anything, etc." He went back and then he came back and he watched us. He watched us walk out of section one. And then we never saw him again. But so, after we made our offering, we poured out a bottle of Switzerland County absinthe that he and um, our friend Brian Cushing had made, you know, as a tribute to the distillers and the people that came before or whatever. The crows immediately stopped calling. Yeah. And then on the way out, we found the distiller's son's grave. The distiller we were looking for. Yeah. We couldn't find him originally. And the sun had been behind the clouds and it was windy. The sun yeah. came out as soon as I poured the absinthe and the wind stopped and the crows stopped. Uh, and the reason I say if it was a cat was because, you know, if it's a if it's a stray cat, even if somebody's feeding it, they often here in the Midwest, you know, they have they run away. worms and they run away. So they look terrible and they run away. This looked like, you know, like if ever a cat was like a familiar or a guardian like it was healthy it was big it was stout and yeah yeah and 
cats are interesting because they always show up for me as as a warning um like hey heads up you know incoming and i've i don't have cats right but mm-hmm. obviously they exist in the neighborhood because i woke up one morning and there was a cat sleeping at my door mm-hmm. and like that just doesn't happen right. i and then one night as the attack was really ramping up i had a whole cat fight out in front of my house oh my gosh and, and i mean they this cat fought with cuz i have a camera and mm-hmm. the cat was fighting with absolutely nothing physical oh, wow and knocked over a whole bunch of stuff and i i have like a tin jack-o'-lantern <laughs> always up at my house and um it knocked that over which is what woke me up because it was so loud so cats are beautiful messengers they are guardians indeed but i oh my god i just i love that cat it's so I, big and <laughs> i suspect and what i told kim was i don't i don't think that that cat was actually connected to that altar so we were looking for the grave of one of the early Switzerland County distillers um, that I've done a lot of research on in the past five or six years because I always take a bottle back to you know the people I name it after whatever. So it turns out we found out later on that he is buried in that cemetery. And what happened was we went to the oldest two sections of the cemetery to look for his grave. Section one was down in that bowl, which I think was a sinkhole and it was on a floodplain. And so a lot of the gravestones have been washed out. We did find out later on that the distiller we were looking for, uh, John Detras, or Detra. Detra, yeah. it's spelled Detras, but yeah. Detra. He was buried there. And so where we're from is what was called the Black Forest of Southern Indiana, which is all Black Forest Germans. And this is Switzerland County, Indiana, which is all French Swiss Huguenots. So the cultures are related, but just a little off from one another. And I think the cat was there as a representative of John Detra. Yeah, it didn't know what we were doing, and then once we poured the bottle of absinthe, it's like, oh, okay, well, that's fine. <laughs> He's right? okay. He's probably okay. But that cat <laughs> mean mugged the shit out of me. Yeah, I, I he- posted <laughs> a picture on the thread that he posted while we were out there, and that cat is just like, like you know, the squinty cat face, like where they're judging you. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but with that one, green eyes, not not yeah, yellow not eyes, yellow, green, green eyes. Yes. Oh. Gorgeous. Well, cool. I love it. JJ Rose 777. You tell <laughs> our audience where they can find you. Um, and then also, if you do know the episode numbers of the podcasts that you've been on, drop those as well because they can go back and listen to those podcasts too. Um, I am <clears throat> JJ Rose 777 across the board. That's my YouTube channel, uh, Facebook, Instagram. I am on TikTok. I don't do a whole heck of a lot on TikTok, but I'm on there. If you want to send me videos, feel free. Um, I It's been such a pleasure being here and chatting with you two. Thank you again so incredibly much. And yes, I love questions. I love participation. If anyone wants to send me an email or a message, if you have questions or anything, feel free. Awesome. Good deal. Well, you can find us at thealchemistcabinet.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have things there to sell you and tell you, but yep. <laughs> I'm not going to bother to advertise those because I'm not very good at it in the first place. And there's plenty of other platforms for yes. that. So, but uh, no, it's been a pleasure having you here and we look forward to working with you in the future. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you.